we go. Dumb and awful at dumb and awful. No, at, uh, that's not even the show. This fucking a this dumb is, awful show. Th- this is going to be a dog shit episode. Let me just go <laughs> ahead and throw that one out. Uh, you know, I was going to signify it verbally uh, up at the top um, because I, I feel like shit and I'm hung over from having the Maester's Feast last night, which is an $11 bottle of wine that I thought was from Spain that was from Italy, uh, and a <laughs> Little Caesars pretzel crust hot and ready with the stuffed Ooh. crust in the pretzel crust. Nice. So doesn't even make sense to get the, the garlic butter that you dip it in. They give you a jalapeno cheddar, which seems like a good idea for the first two crusts. No, that doesn't seem like a good idea. And I, I realize... By the way, I, I like the the intro has been sounding good. Mm-hmm. If you, it's the way we've been mixing it, uh, or the way that we've got this this app mixing it now, um, it, it really brings out the bass. Like I was listening to it on, on like earbuds, and it was like, oh yeah, it's it's trap again. Really, like you could put that on your system and just crank it, you know, and really vibe <laughs> until it until it takes on cobble start coming in but, <laughs> but to be fair that's that's less pretentious than a lot of the shit you'd hear on the stereo at you know brooklyn parties so is, is this podcast really any more pretentious than like management's time to pretend i don't know <laughs> no i know it, hopefully you, hopefully you've got some hot takes and then we have the climate report we have uh some military stuff so that feels like it's in your that, that's in your wheelhouse shit going on yeah because again i'm bringing real i'm bringing real dog shit energy this time <laughs> i just that is this this is sort of the patheticness of empire i'm projecting myself into empire here which is like i'm complaining the tableau is a little caesar's hot and ready red wine <laughs> while i'm lying prone on like 500 dollars worth of bedding all of which has five-star reviews from whatever demon uh, runs the algorithms on Amazon. <laughs> and I'm laying there, and I'm in my 30s. And in order for this to happen, right, like... You're mid-30s. You're at the halfway point. Thank you. Um, <laughs> a, a Latinx man, who, which, by the way, turns out nobody likes that. There, were, there was a, a, a poll. You know, they tend to do this where they, they ask Latin people, like, hey, which of these do you prefer? And they're like anything other than latinx just <laughs> stop doing that i don't know why i know you you have like the best of intentions but deciding that an ethnic group needs a new categorization and name that is only used among white people and well-meaning liberals is uh i'm just saying get an american history book from 1800 to whenever just when you get bored stop reading i, I guess that usually doesn't uh, go well the top tier white people thing, though, to be like, I think you need a new name. No, no, I've got this covered for you. <laughs> one in 20 Latin people say they, they prefer that one, which, uh, you know, That's not good. 5%. But so there's a, I realized that there's a Latino man and literally in a field, maybe in the global south, and, and he's just fucking picking tomatoes and and oregano and herbs and it's 110 degrees and it gets hotter every day and he's not making enough to subsist but he's hoping and praying that he's that he's putting enough away that his daughter can one day go to community college on some government grant and you know learn to code or 
or, you know, become an accountant and really get out of the manual labor world. But realistically, even if she does that, there's so much structural racism and sexism. And as capitalism pulls up the ladder on more and more industries writ large, I mean, you know, lawyers, we don't need them anymore or we don't need them so much because of automation. HR professionals are getting owned now because it's like, why do we need you if if we have a list of target words and monitoring software and algorithms that connect the most talented people in our meritocracy? Like more and more people are getting phased out. And so her hope to attain class mobility through the blood and toil and labor of her father probably goes nowhere. But yet those tomatoes, they get pushed out. They get shipped out through some channel through which thousands of people had to die, be it Hormuz or, or Panama. And then they're combined with the cheese from a, a dairy cow who has never made a 360 degree turn, has given birth countless times, can't recall how many times this cow has given birth without ever looking behind. And it's just constantly expressing uh, into a, a unsanitary tin pot uh, just enough milk to make the dog shit little caesar's cheese (laughs) and then that's combined (laughs) in little caesar's by a person making just having all their their labor value uh which if you work at a little caesar's like you you've earned every fucking penny you get there between the customer service of having to go, it's hot, it's ready, it's $5, I don't know what to tell you, and then making <laughs> those motherfuckers all day, and then also having to pack bowls for everyone else on a rotation, because that seems to be a big part of Little Caesars. That bit's kind of cool. Uh, all that. How many, how many fucking Indian literal slaves in some Gulf state uh, kleptocracy monarchy had to work in the bottling plant for my off-brand Italian wine. Mm. And all of this is shipped through the Mediterranean, probably with the tanker just fucking splitting and capsizing a, a boat full of Libyans just trying to find a place <laughs> where they can, again, not be sold into slavery. And all this makes its way, this confluence of goods the, through the arteries of global capitalism. They, The blood of people who have done nothing wrong, it, it all flows up to the central uh, heart of it all, which is me not bothering to put the uh, mattress pad cover back on after it uh, popped off and just laying there complaining that now I'm slightly hung over and my podcast is going to be worse than normal. <laughs> that's, what's, that's what's so fucking upsetting about this is we all live or could live relatively like Xerxes. Yeah. Like, you don't have to be Chrissy Teigen. You could just be a douchebag and order four different Grubhub orders at the same time from four different restaurants and have an international fucking feast. One that that the Habsburgs couldn't fucking imagine. You can do that at will. And instead, uh, I'm getting dehydrated off of Little Caesars and shit wine. (laughs) We don't even capitalize on empire. We use it for nothing. We're behavioral McMansions. I'm just so ashamed of myself. (laughs) And that's that's before so you had a good Saturday night. I fucking sucks. <laughs> this is before I get into my house bits. By the way, I'm complaining about people not like appreciating Empire. You know, like my friend just told me, he, he just got a new job. He's making 300k, uh, Jesus. And, and it's like, yeah, good for him. Like, you know, software and all that. And I told him the sort of cliche hack thing, which is like, you know, what, buddy, if someone's gonna be rich, I'm glad it's you. Like, 
you have some empathy and a sense of style like you'll you'll do good shit like you'll support arts i'm still trying to get a little charitable donation out of them for some local food pantries i'm just saying don't give it to the audubon society what are you a jerk off but it's just like you know it'd still be best if we didn't have you know millionaires and billionaires but you think if you're gonna be there do something with it do something cool i never fucking do no none of them do instead here i am benefiting from the 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 absolute rape of the global south and what it's all funneling what it's all for what that man in the field with his his fingers in the sediment pulling from the earth nourishment that sustains me for right now this very moment uh what i've done with that is used it to communicate a house bit maybe you'll like this house bit this is one i've been doing um i i call it uh brett's ballad <laughs> it's sort of um it it's a, a remix sort of a reimagining of it i didn't write a whole song but it's sort of like <clears throat> I'm a snack man. I'm a snack man. Pocky. That's it. That's it. That's what probably literal thousands of people labored and toiled for with that pizza for me to complain and do that. Oh, it's probably more than thousands. Oh no, it's it's supply chain stuff is nuts when you get into it. Yeah, I uh, apparently it's all breaking down though. That's what yes. that's one of those things where like I forget who I was talking to the other day, but I was just like, uh, yeah, our quality of life is just sort of shittier now. Like it's just it, it was a hundred degrees multiple days in in New York recently, and the trains don't work here. Uh, they don't work any better when it gets hot. All the stations are. Based, I mean, there's no AC or any. It's, they're dog shit. They're like stone underground sewers that trains go through. So it's now like heat index 105 on every train station every single day. That's just part of it. When you get on the train, you may or may not get an infectious disease. I don't know. And then you go into a city where uh, salads cost $19. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. Oh, do you want a webcam? So you can, you know, uh, the two genders, like flash your tits or yell slurs uh while gaming you want you want to like that's your way out right no i can't do that you can't even get the fucking logitech webcams or whatever because a chip shortage is apparently like stopping people from streaming you want to mine some bitcoin or whatever i don't know maybe i'll go with elon musk can't get a fucking graphics card for that nope i i at Starbucks, which, by the way, has been closed half the days this week because there's not enough people to fucking work at Manhattan Starbucks. Is You have a Starbucks on every single block, and the workforce for that is either dead, unemployed, evicted, or probably all those and two-hour commutes away. Yeah, or decided it's not fucking worth it anymore. Yeah, you've turned. You, I mean, the the sort of problem is eventually you've pushed your labor force out and made it so untenable that they literally can't or won't get to you to service your shit. And then when I was in there, uh, this is this sounds like just white people problems. I was, I was actually I was buying drinks for my fucking lower ranked union guys. How about that? How about that? It's being a a, a good <laughs> good steward here. And so I was like, okay, I got an acai berry, I got a mango, starfruit. They're like, yeah, we don't have those. 
And like, uh, you out? They're like, no, we haven't had those in like weeks because of the supply chain breakdown. <laughs> we just haven't had green tea in like two months. We just don't have a sigh anymore. Like, get used to that not being here. And it just, this is my pathetic way of, uh, uh feeling like the the guys in fucking Albion or at fucking Hadrian's Wall, where there used to be an aqueduct that brought water, and now they're just like, I don't. Does anyone know how to fix that motherfucker? No. Nope. All right. Well. Oh, it well. makes me it, it just <laughs> makes me think about like you know we, like we were kids in the 90s so all anybody talked about was how the soviet union was collapsing and they were like yeah you can't you couldn't get anything it you had to know the right people and it's like i'm looking around and that's exactly what we're dealing with too like yeah fucking it, normal goods just don't appear on shelves anymore uh like one of the ones i love using is like generators and fencing those are pretty fucking normal thing like a home generator those don't exist because the electrical grids are collapsing in a bunch of states and fencing doesn't exist because uh supply chain issues through china again right and like i mean i can go into why that is if you'd like or we talk about other stuff no fuck it like i said we i gotta run the <laughs> clock i'm 13 minutes in i here i'll i'll give you i'll I'll, I'm going to hit my my two other house bits, and then you can really get the level of where we're at on gotcha. this. And okay. this is the main episode. Okay, house bit number two is just uh, I saw a, a meme for I don't know if it was for trans people or furries or people with bipolar or all the above, but it, it led me to a, a bad habit of now when I enter rooms, no one asks for this, but I, I like going. I could use a dream or a genie or a wish to go back to a place much simpler than this. Cause after all that, you know, from BOB airplanes, <laughs> yeah, it just brings an energy into the room. It does. You know, it makes people remember being younger, you know, <laughs> listening to Paramore. I think that was produced by Eminem for some reason. Oh, you're right. I think it was. I'm in doing that. And then this is just from, uh, this morning. Uh, th- this is, it's kind of a long one, but um, this has been getting me through. It's another a musical parody song I wrote, so I'd like to share. Um. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> that's flat. Uh, there we go. Uh, <laughs> da, da, okay. Poopy poopy pee. Peepy doo doo wee, pee and blue, doo doo poopy poopy poo, booty diarrhea. Poopy poopy pee. And there's poop on me. <laughs> Poopy farts and poo poo. Dookie dooly me. Oh no, I pooped me. <laughs> Poopy poopy pee. Beautiful. Is there a second stage? Poopy, poopy, he, tee, he, you, Poopy, poop, a gold. Thank you for that pause in between. I appreciate that. So that's just something I've been working. I don't have all the lyrics yet. No, um, I think it's like halfway there. Look, 
it is inarguable that that song is a success by the metric of killing 90 seconds. <laughs> Absolutely inarguable. So with that setting the tone, yeah, supply chain sounds good. <laughs> Let's fucking go for it. Uh, I put the so, caveat at the top. This episode sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the reason you can't get anything, the reason cars are expensive... Uh, the reason you can't get a webcam anymore um, is pretty much all because of an adoption of the supply chain practice called just in time, um, which is based off of justin.tv, the yes. original place. <laughs> <laughs> all of this is based on Toyota's production. So, in the uh, before just in time, the way you would do shipping and receiving is you would stock up a bunch of stuff, you'd have a warehouse somewhere. You'd have a bunch of stock, you'd sell it off, and you would just buy a consistent amount every month to restock, right? And you'd have a pretty big stockpile, so if things went wrong, no big deal. I have two or three months' worth of goods stockpiled for me. Um, that's very expensive, though, because all the stock that's sitting there is stock that you're not making money on. So let's say I run a lawnmower fucking store. Uh, in the old days, I'd have like 100 lawnmowers sitting in a warehouse somewhere, uh, even if I'm only selling like 15 a month. So Toyota came in and destroyed basically every American car company in the 70s and 80s. Um, and everybody realized, oh shit, they actually know how to do manufacturing, production, and supply chain better than fucking everyone. Everybody. And uh, the highlights that people took from it was just in time. This is what Americans took and most of the Western world took from them. They didn't do the full process because that requires actually giving workers power to do a bunch of things that no one wanted to do how empowered is the japanese worker really so on the toyota production line any worker on the line can stop the line at any time they want no american car company will let you do that because they don't want you to be able to stop the line they don't want like the lowest level union guy to be able to shut it down so conceivably uh like if if you are on the line and there's like a safety issue or you need to shut it down or, you know, at, at the Toyota factory in, in, you know, wherever, Tokyo or something, if a Korean gets stuck in the gears, they do have the power to stop it. They just exercise <laughs> they the right not, not to. to. Yes. Yeah, yeah, correct. That is <laughs> Japanese efficiency. But That's they right. have those protections there in case someone they consider human falls into the gears. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, okay. Uh, Shout out to the Japanese worker, I guess. <laughs> Because the American workers, like they've they've tried to get better about it, but it's still some sort of bureaucratic process where somebody has to sign off on stopping the line. Because stopping and starting a line for large scale production means a ton of money is lost every time that happens. Um, but Toyota does that along with a bunch of other things, uh, and it improves efficiency over time because then the individual workers catch shit when the machines start getting slightly off. Yada yada. Um, it all goes together. But so all we took from that is just in time, and just in time is this concept where. Uh, you, in an ideal world, you are removing all excess inventory. You don't want a warehouse, period. You want to have the exact amount that you are going to sell this month, and you want to ideally hit zero right when the next delivery comes in. So if I sell 15 lawnmowers a month, I want to only order 15, and I, the day the new shipment of 15 comes in, I want to be at zero. That's like the ideal, right? The most extreme cases, that's the ideal setting. And so... You have to adjust month to month and optimize based off a of seasonality. Like I probably sell less lawnmowers in January than I do in summer. So, right? so, so this is like direct to 
they've like cut out the middleman. There's no storage or anything as, as much as possible. Or minimal storage, yeah. It, the idea is just like we can predict the right amount of of the right quantities to ship directly to the people when it's needed. Yes. Uh, and not house them. Minimize and that got a lot housing. easier with computers because then you could pull all the data out and get way more precise and a lot better with your forecasting. So like, again, with the lawnmower thing, maybe I average 15 across the year every month. And my high I've ever gotten is like 22. So I'm probably making sure I have like four spare just in case I reach my high month, right? Uh, but largely, I'm going to stick with my 15 every single month order. The problem is if you optimize it, because that's what they're doing, right? They're optimizing over and over and over again on a repetitive cycle uh, to try to hit that point at which you have no additional stock. Additional stock is considered money lost. The problem is what happens if like the government passes a new ordinance or HOAs and your entire town change and now lawn mowing becomes wildly necessary for the entire summer. Now you're selling 40 a month and you're like, oh fuck, I don't have 40. Uh, that that series of orders you do because supply chains are long and difficult to set up properly. If I say now I'm going, oh shit, fuck, I'm out now. It's going to take three months before I have it all figured out again, right? Like there's a delay in readjusting once you've optimized. So what happens when that happens fucking globally? So is uh, it just the problem of everyone puts in orders at, at the central clearinghouse simultaneously because they overrun their, their like local supply? A little bit. So it's it's a few things at once. It's uh, first when the pandemic first hit, everybody thought they would get their uh, all their sales would collapse, right? So uh, everybody canceled orders. So most car manufacturers canceled chip orders. Chips specifically is one of them. But across the board, people canceled orders uh, in every industry and said like, "Well, I'm not going to sell that much, so let's cut it in half." Um, and then demand recovered pretty quickly for most things that you could use non-office related right cars were one of those things where like you still needed a car uh you know most america doesn't have infrastructure you still need a fucking car whether you're trapped at home or not um not in new york <laughs> there you go we uh, have at the, we have the already described uh stone hot sewer pit oven trains that's right and those work some of the time so that's right um, and then demand is was higher than normal for basically everything tech because you're at home. You need all the tech shit now because you're not in an office anymore. You're not allowed to really do fucking anything. So, of course, you want a nicer TV or a nicer computer or a webcam. Um, so that puts a strain. That means you have extra high demand beyond what you anticipated. You close down factories because you thought you were going to get less demand. And then COVID caused you to close down factories at various times. Right. So the supply gets hyper limited. You have over-optimized your supply chain to the point where you can't handle any disruptions, any disruptions at all, and you're not going to have enough to sell. But you, but now we have a massive multi-layered disruption coming from a bunch of different venues. Uh, and yeah, it, it just cascades. And so the reason everybody talks about chip manufacturing is because that is the most limited supply of all the things. Why is that? And it's not just, it's like uh, graphics card chips, but again, it's like the Logitech camera. Yeah. How fucking fancy can the chip be in this thing? So like the, the, the baseline silicon chip that goes in literally everything that has a computer of any kind on it, uh, those are super crazy difficult to manufacture. Those factories cost 
hundreds of millions of dollars to build, maybe billions. Like it's insane. The capital requirements for building chip manufacturing is like building planes. Yeah, but didn't they expand that capacity out when they were manufacturing the vaccines? Hey. Please continue. I wish I was dead up. <laughs> I'm not listening to my cardiologist. Um, they did not. Uh, so it, chip manufacturing in general is hard to do. People have said for a while, like, hey, it's already constrained pre-pandemic. It's like the chip manufacturing is already constrained. You guys keep putting computers in fucking everything. And like, it takes a long time to get them online because it's like one giant factory that is perfectly clean. It's like one massive clean room. It's a really difficult thing to fucking build and put together and run. Um, and then a lot of people canceled their orders and then re-upped them at a higher quantity. Uh, and you go like, yeah, I can't fucking supply that shit. Uh, while at the same time, people like Apple and Google are selling more than they've ever sold before, and they're asking for even more than normal. And so you have at multiple points, and again, some of the manufacturers had to shut down briefly for uh, COVID. One had a fire they had to shut down for a little bit, right? It's like a half a dozen or a dozen factories worldwide to supply everything chip-wise. Like, it's a massive issue. So is it purely an issue of logistics rather than like resource extraction and, and capture? Uh, right now, yeah. And then and then we have you have like compounding effects too. Like uh when that fucking ship got stuck in the canal by Egypt, that was a huge issue. That backed up a bunch of ships. Um, because it's been mostly demand, so we've been bringing stuff in, um, and there was like a huge backlog of stuff trying to come in. There's this really weird situation where like uh the LA shipping port is where most of the goods in the US come from. Literally, uh, like it's it's an insane number to go through just the LA port. The LA port is like the most important port in America. Period. Nah, not that's not what I think. I think it's Port Everglades. Nice. Port Everglades, uh, pretty busy commercial port, number one yachting destination in the world in terms of dockyards and ports and service. So if I had to pick, look, everyone has their their favorite uh, municipal port. For me, it's got to be Port Everglades. Shout out to, <laughs> shout out to, ooh, actually, I was going to say, shout out to the port that has almost certainly brought more drugs into the, the country than anywhere else, but LA Port. Yeah, that's a tough one. God damn. <laughs> that's, that's like you're the chapter, you're like the champion of Strike Force, and so now you got to fight the UFC champion. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you might be way better, but there's no way of knowing, really. Like, you're going to have to test that one out. <laughs> it's like Fedor. Fedor Emelianenko, he should have come yeah. to the UFC so we could know. Now we'll never know if Port Everglades dwarfs LA in terms no of idea. you know no idea, yeah. criminal activity. I'm, I'm sorry, yeah, LA, fine, fine port. So it uh, it's the most important port for uh, imported goods in the country. It um, it's so backed up now. Typically, a container ship when it comes to LA uh, docks and gets everything off within like three days. Occasionally, you have to sit off the coast for an extra day or two while you wait. Your, for your line and queue to come up, right? Uh, they're sitting for two to three weeks right now. The ship's full of goods just sitting because the port can't process quickly enough because the port also had people who had to be gone for COVID. And there's also a backlog of um, shipping containers that are all on the West Coast of America or in America when they all need to be in the manufacturing centers, which is all in Asia, right? So there's all these weird, uh, like, the problem is supply chain, the easiest way to think of it is it's like an accordion. And so uh, when you stretch one end, it stretches the whole thing, but it ripples through. So if one end is being stretched or pushed, it goes all the way through the system and you have to wait for it to process through every step before like things adjust back. And it takes forever. 
especially how complex ours are. Like they've optimized it, but it's optimized to a very specific thing, which is this always works. I can always get a ship from China in under two weeks, right? Uh, I can always get the manufacturing done with relatively little notice. Um, there's not going to be any other weirdness with demand or uh, U.S. logistical issues. There will be none of those, right? I can make all these assumptions and they'll be true forever, which is how we set up our supply chain and basically the entire West. And then the minute that becomes not true on a global scale, it just fucks everything, right? It, it's it's the word everybody likes to use is brittle. Um, it basically. Yeah, I was, was going to say, is this actually is this actually evidence? Hold on, I'm going to grab a Perrier real quick. Uh, uh, is this actually evidence of fragility in the supply chain, or is this just like like you said, an, an accordion backup, but the systems remain capable of the output? Like they'll just reset back to normal because I think like historically, right. Uh, there is sort of two impacts when systems get, get fragile. Like if you look at, at the Roman example, uh, as things contracted, right. And, and goods ceased running down the arteries with the same amount of tempo that had downstream effect, uh, effects in terms of graft, obviously in terms of local trade and sustenance, how they're able to, to maintain staff up, pacify yep. the frontier, but, but more than that, as shit started to fail and the norms on those supply chains, the expectations of the supply chain started to fall, uh, belief in them started to fall, and you got this uh, cascading effect, mm -hmm. right? Where, where now it's like, well, okay, well, if, if there's less, if things working less good, we need to consolidate more. And you have these political knockbacks of like, now we're in a scarcity mindset. Now we need to, to start thinking about either uh, finding another frontier or looking after our own, like it, it does not point nope. towards a lot of wonderful liberal, uh, uh, collectivist human rights ideas. Uh, if your population starts to accept a supply chain as fragile, uh, and sort of lose faith in the governing body that, that has at least perceived ownership of it. And the other thing is, is I wonder with these, uh, supply line breakdowns, you know, we saw the same thing with COVID. How does this affect our the perception of our military? Because when they're talking about like pivoting to Asia and the South China Sea and, and fucking what we're, I mean, we have troops everywhere in the Middle East now. I have no idea why we have fucking people in Syria. I guess the uh, the Afghanistan folks got to go somewhere, right? But like, we can't even get COVID vaccines out. We can't get fucking uh, uh, chips for the goddamn Xboxes for the the troops. Do, do people really believe that we, we have the capacity to supply and maintain a hot war style capability with, with this logistical framework? So that's sort of where I'm at. What do you see the political implications of our supply chain problems and how mm -hmm. does this affect things uh, uh, militarily? Or is this sort of a, a parallel process thing? I'm going to grab some Perrier, talk to the, 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 <laughs> the invisible other you got it. Uh, I'll get to the military thing in a minute, but it's it's definitely a sign of fragility more than anything. Um, it's the system would have had issues no matter what. Um, them getting to this point is because they did over optimize, right? And then they couldn't handle any adjustments. Um, I had a good example here. Um, let me get to the example a second. But yeah, so uh, it's definitely just a sign of fragility. Um, 
I don't see it as something that like will recover smoothly. They're going to try to re-optimize things again in the future. But um, a, a good example of what I'm talking about as far as like over-optimized to the point of fragility is like New York is a good example on this one for groceries. There's not enough floor space in New York to have like large grocery stores. There's really not enough groceries in the city to feed everybody if they want groceries, right? Yeah, we saw that during uh, COVID where you went in the bodega and it just was empty. Yep. So New York, uh, and then on the other side, New Yorkers uh, don't have enough space to store food in their houses for the most part because they're tiny. So what you have is a, a whole city that runs on just in time for fresh food, right? Mostly they rely on restaurants to supply them. That's really what's going on. But like for home cooking, everything is just in time. There is only just enough for a small portion of the population to buy groceries on on a daily basis, right? Everybody can't go to the grocery store today. Half of the people can't go to the grocery store today. And so the minute anything changes on that front, it's like, what if 10 grocery stores shut down? And it's like, well, a ton of people don't get groceries. That's what that means. And, and they don't have any stock either. So it's like instantaneous, we have issues, right? So that's sort of where the supply chain is Wait, at so large you, too. You can get a run on grocery. I mean, I, yeah, I guess that's what you, we that's saw, what we saw, but, yeah. But so that that's what we are. What was that movie with like the run on the bank and it's Christmas and everything? It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so we could in New York, we could just have It's a Wonderful Life, but for fucking Nilla wafers or yeah. Ben and Jerry's. Well, or that's whatever. what I'm saying is, it's, it's if you don't have enough groceries for let's say more than a third of the population to buy groceries in a single day, if anything happens. And half of the population, just households, half of the household, households go like, I need groceries today. Nope, we're out. Like immediately. No, 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 we're out. That, it's just the system is not set up to feed all of you in a day or even half of you in a day. It's just not how we set it up. So nope, you're fucked. And that's how the whole supply chain works, right? For everybody is uh, we only have just enough. At every single level, we only have just enough. So the second it's like, Oh, hey, there's this big thing going on. And so all demand has shifted a ton in a bunch of different places. Like, nope, nope, sorry. We don't have enough of anything. Does for that anybody. actually work out for the, for the main beneficiaries? So like this reminds me of no. so much stuff like the Texas utility stuff where, yeah, it didn't work out for the people who wanted to be warm, certainly. But for the energy providers, they just raised rates and didn't do infrastructure work and they got paid off pretty handsomely. Like, is this a problem? Like, well, it, it, this this er, this erodes the ability for governments to provide service, like basic safety and yeah. health and stuff, to its citizens, right? But, I mean, at, at this point, capitalism, it, it's the parasite on the head of the fucking ant driving it, right? Like, we still nominally have governments that we're like, well, yeah, well, people need to have food and, and not freeze to death and all that, but if the fucking capitalist parasite is just like, yeah, extract the wealth. Some people will die where you can't make us do improvements. You can't make us supply all these people who gives a shit. Yeah. Uh, let it break in the extreme outlier circumstances. We run some actuarial charts on it. We mitigate the risk. And then we go back to our long-term survival, which honestly is ethical. If you have to deliver as you promised uh, value to your, your stakeholders and shareholders, like, there's this whole thing with foreign policy right now. Everyone's becoming a foreign policy wonk in the the way they tend to be, which is like, I don't know anything about Azerbaijan, uh, but if the U.S. wants to build a base there, it's like, 
in, in the last 24 hours, I learned a lot about the human rights of women in Azerbaijan, and I need to fucking sound off now. And there's a lot God. of like, why is the government so stupid about you know foreign policy, domestic? Here's what they should do. This seems like a blunder. It's like, no, nobody wants to know what they should do. That's not the fucking point. Like, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. If um, if the government was actually functioning through its stated purpose, maybe that would matter. But you're all adults now. You know that the reason you stay in Afghanistan isn't because we really tried word, world building. It's because the vast majority of the money that went over there was kicked back to people. They landed in America. Oh, of course. It, it was just a 20-year fucking grant for defense contractors, right? So all your bit about, well, I think at the moment uh, uh, of the original, Hamid Karzai, or Karzai should have, it, it doesn't fucking matter. Like, it's working as intended. So is this supply chain stuff the the same stuff? And we're all just going like, well, you know what would be better? It's like, yeah, who cares? It's not uh, profitable to do it better, dumbass. Like, we're going to do it this way forever. A lot of thoughts on Afghanistan in a second. But um, no, a bunch of people lose a ton of money. Um, so it's actually really bad, especially like net, for, net. For, car, for car manufacturers. This will be bad for them overall. Like Ford and GM are now selling less cars because they literally don't have the supply because they already had the chip issues. Right. And then car manufacturers also shut down briefly, right. They shut down their lines for COVID. Um, then you had all the, all the um, rental car people sold off all their used cars and now they're trying to buy them back. Right. It's just like, it, it's, there's a bunch of other things on top of the chips causing problems on the car side, but no Ford and GM are going to do worse this year as a result of this. So it, it is actually bad for them. Um, Two other quick things that I think is funny is one, uh, you know, how I describe this as like, this is our impression of the just in time system. This is not actually how Toyota runs. Toyota says you only reduce the stock of uh, things that you know you can get easily. Like if I know if I'm a car manufacturer and I know I can get like the plastic molding for my dashboard, the factories up the road. Yeah, fuck that. I'm not gonna hold any of that in stock. You know what you do hold in stock? Uh, the chips that everybody knows only comes from a handful of factories in the world that are really hard to get a hold of. So Toyota actually stockpiled chips, right? The people who invented the optimization were like, well, obviously you don't optimize this, you idiots. And everybody else did and got fucked. I like that we incorporated supply chain management with American characteristics. Yep. It's just like, yeah, sure, you're, you're stocking the more rare stuff for safety or whatever but what if i was a rugged individualist <laughs> thought y'all are sort of pussy for stocking that shit i'm just gonna go get it when the time comes and then failing <laughs> falling on your face ha having yep. your family members die uh being financially ruined and being like take that china <laughs> it's a, it's amazing it, well, i guess it's, it's we, Japan. We just read the cliffs notes and went like yeah okay i can do that Nobody went any deeper to like the actual principles behind it. None of that. Fuck that. Um, and the other thing is, so just in time seems like a pretty bad way to run a system, especially if you can anticipate having weird issues or emergencies or something. Every hospital runs on just in time for their supplies. The people whose job is literally to be there for the weird events, for like the catastrophic emergency events run on just in time for everything in the hospital so it's like your entire job is if something happens all of you can go take care of that or attempt to and they're like oh no we only have enough gloves for normal operation which is why during covid they were running out of everything because it's like they 
why would we stock stuff? And it's like, cause you're, you're an emergency. You're a fucking stop yeah, loss. That's, 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 no, whole that, point. that's the same thing as like, uh, looking at foreign policy and being like, well, why don't you just do the, the actual functional thing to reach your stated goals? And it's like, why, why would we do that? Like hospitals are profit industries. They want, it would be negligent for them to not incorporate cutting edge supply chain management and they probably hire some fucking hospital administrator for millions of dollars to make them competitive in the marketplace yep and what you're suggesting is an erosion of their competitiveness that makes american medicine the number one in the world according to the american medicine rankings (laughs) (laughs) yeah no my, my my father right now can't get his uh surgery because he's in broward county florida and mm-hmm. guess who doesn't have any beds left in their hospitals? Broward County, Florida. That's fucking right. Yes. Yeah. So all, all the hospitals run on the system, too. In case you're curious why it seemed like every doctor ran out of everything instantly, because because of that. Because this obsession on the government side and just nationally with efficiency, it's like efficiency is not a thing you should have if you are the stop back like everything goes terrible the whole point of the government is you are there to provide some sort of buffer which means you actually have to pile stockpile something to provide said buffer same with government services like efficiency is not a thing you should be doing uh your goal is to serve everyone that's automatically inefficient serving everyone is already inefficient because there's all sorts of weird outlier cases where it costs too much money to serve that person but guess what you're gonna fucking do it anyway because that's the name of the mission the same thing with postal service they have to serve everybody so yeah it's more expensive for them to run it than it would be for fedex because fedex would cut out 20 percent of the fucking people instantly because it's too expensive yeah well i mean that's it's not surprising then that under the ideology we have of just like yeah just use profit motive for everything mm-hmm. just you know if you can profit the most they'll work for everything it works for the health it works for transport it works for human relations it's really the best we somehow <laughs> we just found the thing Took a while, you know, we went through feudalism and shit, but now we have the perfect system that works in every single context. Just throw this panacea. It's a literal ideological panacea. Makes everything fucking work. Just go ahead and toss it on it, and and it's good. And so that's why you see, like, even our governments, like, yeah, it's supposed to serve everyone, but in our society, we we, everywhere we we look, we see people going like, well, does it really have to? You you know what I mean? Couldn't we be more efficient by uh you know who litters a lot this this is actually the case in new york it's like you you know who litters a lot and just isn't going to stop black neighborhoods so to train them to to use the proper receptacles uh we're going to remove all of the trash cans there's not going to be recycling or trash cans uh we're not going to send maintenance out to clear them sanitate we're just going to save a little money on that since it's always a mess anyway and then we'll have like you know, a dumpster by the, the subway station that, you know, if you want to throw away your drink or whatever, you can toss it there. And so shit just gets worse, which then further reinforces that, ah, it doesn't make any sense to go there. And then we just don't have service provided yeah. to, to my neighborhood. There's no fucking, you want to recycle, you want to uh, toss out a drink or a, a paper cup or something on the street. You better wait till you get to fucking Manhattan for that. It's, yeah. Because, again, that's an efficient government. Exactly. The problem with running things on efficiency and seeing everything as a cost to be reduced is eventually you come to the inescapable conclusion that the most efficient method is to just not serve most people. Right? And I go, yeah. If you only served 5% of the people who are the easiest or the richest, yeah, it'd be way more efficient. 
And that's mostly what we've been driving towards across essentially every industry, but especially in the government. And it's like, yeah, that's not well, with privatization. You can explicitly, I yes. mean, you've, you've already like been captured by the ideology on the state side, but once you privatize sections of, of those sort of public responsibilities, then you can just say like, yeah, it doesn't make financial sense to uh, con ed. Uh, it, it's been, like I said, over hundred degrees. They just, they just say, Hey citizens, this isn't our problem. Uh, but if you're in these poor neighborhoods, you may want to turn your AC off and the lights off for a little bit. Cause if, if you all keep irresponsibly using electricity, <laughs> the market's going to have to cut you off so we can keep Manhattan nicely lit. And it's just like, if that was the government, you'd be like, man, I don't feel like I'm being represented equally here. Uh, but because it's private sector, it's just like, like, like people who are getting owned still go. Yeah, well, you know, it's a business. They can do. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> we're so that fucking, is my favorite so thing sick over here. Uh, the propaganda is so effective, uh, but yeah, so it applies to everything. Uh, military less so, which is interesting because um, you were asking that earlier. Just in time is actually less of a thing in the military. Yeah, I always wonder, like, how the fuck? Like, we saber rattle with Iran, bro. We we can't even get vaccines out. Like, how the fuck are we gonna deal with mountain passes in in Iran? The military is really interesting because it has like other weird issues going on where like we actually have massive stockpiles of some things like tanks because I think we've mentioned that before. There's just this like bizarre political thing that happens where uh, all military production is spread across as many districts as possible. So if you cancel it, it's a bunch of representatives and a bunch of jobs lost. So a ton of political people, a ton of people with the power to vote politically say like no fuck you my mine district can't lose these jobs and so as a result we've been making tanks every year that we just don't need so they just go straight into a, a basically a salvage yard and get mothballed so we have a massive stockpile of tanks but flip side uh they do other things in the name of efficiency where we go like well the f-35 is it that's the plane that's the one we're going to so we're going to stop making parts for all of these other planes we've been using and, and now we have the end result, which is a bunch of these other planes you're still having to use because the F-35 is a piece of shit uh, are running out of parts. And so the, the the planes themselves are running on like ancient parts. You're scrapping together stuff. And it's just like a really shitty situation um, that on every purpose. maintainer, every maintainer in the Air Force will bitch and moan about how all they have is broken parts to use. Yeah, because that is, again... That is on purpose. Yeah. Like, like the military has military readiness and, and its own combat uh, capacity, right? But we don't actually care about that because the thing is, there's always another Call of Duty player that you can fucking strap into that bad boy. They fucking love it. They're going <laughs> to sign up. They're going to think it's epic and based. And like genuinely, that it costs nothing to just have a human get wasted in a war. Like if we cared about that, we wouldn't have spent 20 years in, in the fucking Middle East, right? Oh, yeah. But uh this is something you see a lot, right? Like why would you not have parts ready for your old airframes, especially the specialized ones that like, uh, sorry, the A-10 does uh, close air support better than any of the other shit. Anything else we have, period. Right? Yeah. But the reason we don't support it, the reason they keep pushing it away among others is the F-30, we're like Apple now. Remember, capitalism is the fucking parasite on the brain of the yep. military too. Of course, it's the biggest thing we do. So when we sell F-35s to fucking the Saudis, the Kuwaitis, uh, uh, to Bahrain, to fucking Poland, when we sell the F-35s, look, if you want to look at like Afghanistan uh, or Iraq now, right, we will uh, uh, sell airframes 
but then you don't have the people to maintain them and you don't have the supply chain for the parts and all that. So when we sell you the F-35, our defense contractors know that we will have you on the hook forever, right? Yeah, weapon system as a service. Yeah, literally. (laughs) Yeah. So look, if you're in the Middle East and you got got some old-ass fucking F-14 Tomcats that still kind of get the job done, I mean, how much aerial superiority do you really need over like Al-Nusra? You know what I mean? So you could just keep supporting that, but just like PlayStation being like, yeah, we're not we're not uh, doing patches for this shit anymore. You got to go buy the new game. You got to get on the new platform. Uh, nope. It makes there's more profit if you can stop supporting the airframes people have, make them buy the F-35, and then make American business supply and maintain it and mercenary companies and shit yeah. uh, the whole time. It's a dog shit airframe. It doesn't make us more capable, but it keeps the money flowing back to the main to the right people yeah because again the dod literally does not have to audit their books yeah repeat that no one knows no one can tell you dod where all the money goes we we don't know they tried i think it's like 10 years ago now and failed and just from there on went like no we're not going to do that anymore We, we don't know where the money goes guys uh they are the single largest line item in the budget outside of medicare and social security no idea where all the money goes, right? And so uh, we can talk about Afghanistan. That fucking shows up all over the place in Afghanistan. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was going to say, we, we got a, a couple more minutes left in the, the main here. Uh, yeah, Afghanistan is fucking... 20, 20 fucking years, and it is going to be the same end result as Vietnam, where they're literally the same. Uh, I love the side-by-sides of helicopters uh, taking out the diplomats at the end of both wars. Uh, it's just like, mwah. Yeah, it's just it's just straight up a hundred percent Vietnam again this time. Uh, I was gonna say, uh, uh, except without uh, without the cool ass Ho Chi Minh taking over. Friend friend of the show, Luke Winky, uh, has a, a, a real time question here. Uh, he wants to know, Brett, does Joe deserve any props for holding this L so hard? Consid- <laughs> considering Obama kicked the can down the road uh, just to not hold the L himself, uh, how do you feel about Biden's masterclass in L holding? I actually like kudos to Trump for forcing the issue. Like this is actually for all that everybody thinks he's an idiot. Uh, he forced it. And so they had to do so. They, they basically couldn't stay without sending a ton more troops back in. Um, and Trump set it up in a way that like the next whoever took over next was going to have to. And if it was Trump, fine, fuck it, whatever, on my second term. And if it's anybody else, fuck you. <laughs> Just like, well done. Well done. But this is why no other president wanted to pull out at any point, because this was always what was going to happen, right? At no point has the Afghanistan military, the local military that we've been training, um, been Se- capable. Again, selling uh, war as services, too. Yeah, exactly. Tra- has been capable. It's funny that we're training them, but all the people doing maintenance are American mercenaries. Yep. So they have no readiness when we leave, which seems like someone in the last 20 years would have... If we were actually nation building on purpose, A, some of the money would have stayed in the country. Obviously not. It's all fake. And B, maybe they would have got guys that do more than, you know, epic AK spray downs uh, in combat. Oh, yeah. You would have gotten anything. But as a quick note here, because I have, I am thankfully not online much anymore, but I did see that there's now the like wailing and gnashing of teeth of like, maybe we should have stayed longer. Anybody who says that, Please go jump off a bridge somewhere. Fuck you. 
a lot of people are saying that now because 20 years if you can't figure out how to solve a problem in 20 years you're never going to solve it it's never going to happen the solution was to never invade in the first place never pretend you gave a fuck about nation building not putting former mujahideen on the fucking government in the first place right uh not doing any of the insane, stupid bullshit you've done throughout. It was never going to end up well, right? This particular outlet of like Taliban takeover immediately as you pull out, like, yeah, it might have been some other uh, militant group. But regardless, the second you you left the, and left the power vacuum, somebody was going to fill it and probably not someone you liked, right? That was always going to be how it went. Always. So this bullshit of like, if I just stayed five more years, we've been saying that for a fucking decade. And I've noticed it's only ever people who, one, are, are love to talk about how imperialism is the devil, are now suddenly all on board for stay another five years in Afghanistan. You think Fuck that's all true? Of you. you think people that are anti-imperialism or pro- I, I've seen a number of dim socks pull that line out, and it's like, fuck all of you. The, 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 the line I've seen, uh, I'll quote here, is sort of, which, by the way, this really is like I agree, human rights, but that term basically means whatever your warmongering nation wants it to mean at any given time. Like, yep. if you really cared about human rights, you would go into Florida right now. You know yeah. what I mean? You and, would go into the Appalachians and actually take care of people. And, and so, yeah, maybe get to Reconstruction, fucking two hundred years late. How about that nice. plan? How about that? No, but that's not going to happen. Uh, I would say the the argument because it's just like after twenty years, whatever it is you're doing, clearly isn't working. You've had twenty years. You've had time to spend a year working on, on counterinsurgency doctrine and nation building. Then you had a child, raised him, <laughs> attended his graduation, sent him to Stanford, and then went back for another year of thinking about counterinsurgency you've we had, had enough time had enough time to figure it out but I'm 35 i was a sophomore in high school when this started but the the, the sop to the socks as it were is is human rights right it, it's it's right in front of your face thinking so i have i have seen uh marianne williamson today uh, it, this just this is why I just say pp doo doo at, at the beginning because yeah, like shit, shit doesn't mean anything anymore. Like we are absolutely, you know, when you run simulations in a lab, right? Sometimes the result is it fails, right? Like mm -hmm. like a game of fucking uh, go or life or whatever. Like sometimes it, it just halts, you know, and you're set as fucked, and you go, okay, well if I do that, I'll get a fucked set, right? I think that's probably happened with the American psyche. Like there is no going oh, yeah. from here somewhere normal. So uh, we have Marianne Williamson tagging Jimmy Dore, Bree, Joy from the Bernie campaign, Chank, Kyle Kalinske, David Sirota, who I think was the Bernie guy, and Matt Taibbi, uh, Brett. And she's saying, everyone, please do what you can today. We need troops at the airport and C-130s to evacuate as many women as possible, or it's going to be a massacre. We should uh, evacuate all the women yeah, in the whole country. It, yeah, that's that, a solution. The, the foreign policy around Afghanistan is basically the end of Titanic. And the only person that can help are podcasters. Podcasters <laughs> will deploy C-130s. Yep. All of th this, but like that 
makes a sort of internal logic. If you have an idealist, like if I speak, then I will will it into existence. And if we all just get good ideas, then we'll be fine. It's like, we've all had good ideas for a long time. If you don't act on them and make them politically real, they just curdle in your head and become perverted such that you get, this is a Demsock person, Rose Caucus, a uh, uh, little emote there, uh, tweeted, Malala, the girl who received a Nobel Peace Prize for standing against the Taliban, is the same girl who is silent about the cries of women and children suffering at the hands of the Taliban. She's absolutely not silent. Her, but that's her okay. formative activism will always get exposed. Cool. F- fuck you, Malala, for, for not sufficiently supporting the air corridor over Kabul. I, I just, I I do love the, the the justification for war that these people have baked in. They, well, they're telling you now it's human rights. You, yeah. if you if you say it's human rights, then I I agree. I'm okay with that. You know who should really be begging for help? China, genuinely, because China is going to go in and try to Belt and Road Initiative that shit, and they're going to try to build a bunch of infrastructure and see if diplomatically they can stabilize the situation. So you should actually genuinely, if you want to see a stable situation in China our stable situation in Afghanistan, be begging China for assistance. Is that depressing for America to realize that you're too fucking pathetic to fix the problem? Maybe, but that's the situation at hand. They're also a lot closer. It's a lot easier for them to do this shit. Yeah, uh, President Xi, please belt and road the Khyber Pass so we can finally get uh, a side lemonade at the Bagram Starbucks. That's genuinely a game plan they've had for a long time. It's the minute America leaves, they're going to try to belt and road initiative but most the, of the country. The problem is, it's just so fucking seductive, right? It, and, and it's it's tied to our attention span and our absolutely zero information ideology. Like when you just alle- <laughs> yes. when you don't have a governing ideology because everyone, you know, like Liz Warren, like I'm a capitalist. I just think that that doesn't need to be a bad thing. You know, when you when you've when it's been so thoroughly uh, inculcated in you, oh fuck, I lost my train of thought. Oh, fuck it, who cares? <laughs> no, the Afghanistan stuff drives me crazy. What the that- fuck was I getting at? No, I was. What were you saying right before? God damn it. Oh, yes, 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 yes. When you have a la carte politics, they're all just individual issues that you vote yay or nay yes. to. Right. Because everyone is just a capitalist. Right. And it's all transactional or whatever. And so if someone goes like uh, the Rohingya um, sexual assault, that's bad. Right. So should we go in and militarily protect the women of the Rohingya? It's like, yeah, okay, okay, fine. Uh, uh, The Uyghurs, uh, you don't you don't like uh, exploitation based on race, do you? It's like, no. Okay, so should we go in there and liberate the Uyghurs? Like, yeah, I think America should do that. That that's smart. Uh, uh, Palestine, violence against brown bodies. Well, we can skip that one. Fuck it. Uh, and it's just like going through yeah. with no actual metric by which to evaluate, like, who does this help? Who does this harm? Why is it this way? Then you can always have someone from like the CIA or the foreign policy blob who will cop to social or a general anxiety disorder, tell you that if you care about <laughs> women and here's some women right here, uh, here's a photo, they're crying we need to ramp up the war machine. It's tying. Oh yeah. It's, it's tying the military industrial complex to girl bossery, which, you know, we got fucking Haskell's the, the what's my called person. So fuck it. 
I would say last thought before we switch over to the bonus here is yeah, we'll continue. Uh, so we're at current current description of the situation is a uh, global superpower pulls out of Afghanistan after decades of abject failure at, at getting a pliant government in place. Uh, can't get enough supplies to keep store shelves full. Random things run out of supply all the time. And the same ancient politicians have been in charge for decades seem incapable of, of adjusting. I described the end of the Soviet Union to you, uh, but that's also where we're at now, which is fun. It's fun to see the parallels across the board because the end of the Soviet Union was not some like collapse of communism necessarily as much as it was, this is what it looks like when a country collapses in the modern era. This is what it looks like when a superpower collapses. And we are pretty much following the same playbook right now. Yeah, it's always, that's like, look, my, my shit is like, like older empires collapsing, but this is the shit that happens, right? So uh, uh, before we go to the bonus here, uh, two important, this is something I read, two important things happened uh, this week. Uh, and the first is that every Senate Democrat voted for an amendment written by a cartoon villain to punish local governments who defund the police. Uh, that bill passed 99 to zero. Fuck yeah. Uh, so, you know, Tuberville is just like, we got to stop this defund the police vi verbal violence. And Cory so, Booker. So that means Bernie voted for that too, then. Yeah, 99, well, 99 to zero. I think he might have. Is he the one who didn't vote? Someone might have abstained. Well, I can tell you that uh, every Senate Democrat except Bernie Sanders voted for an amendment on that uh, drafted by Josh Hawley to support the hiring of 100,000 new cops. So then Bernie was the one upstate. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Super. what, what we have essentially, and th this is empire, right? Is as supply chains break down as, as faith in the ability for us to actually do the job of governance fails as the idea of a zero sum, uh, supply mindset starts to take root. And the ideas of like the true citizens and who deserves it starts to become more of a thing. Oh, yeah. It's like the Washington Post now uh, over the last three years has sort of been exploring this idea of whiteness uh, as a racial category, which like uh, if you're listening this far, even with even with the PP doo doo up top, you know, that's the dumbest shit that you fucking <laughs> I've heard today. Heard yeah. Yet, right. And it's like that absolutely mirrors the fucking Romanization shit that they were doing. Like bring in more guards, bring in more police, and let's start to have the intramural fights over who gets the resources. Yep. It's just it's we we don't learn anything because there's no profit in learning. I mean, the ignorance of people to history is a great way to to make the same uh uh high margin gains over and over. But anyway, we have more to fucking talk about. So uh God, I, you really helped me out. I, I, I said, I said, fucking cover. It's like an hour on supply chain. Anyway, let's get to the bonus real quick. 